Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Coach's Corner University podcast. I am your host, Paul Oneid. And today, it's a first, we have two guests on the podcast, two incredible human beings who I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last couple of years uh, and are doing some really great things with their new coaching company, Fortify Health. Please welcome to the podcast, Meredith and Sarah. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. First double guest. That's awesome. Yeah, first double yeah. guest. Usually I do uh, I do one coach at a time, but I figured you guys are now a package deal. We are. We are. It's super exciting as well. So this and is something... I'm proud of you for handling both of us at the same time. That's a lot an undertaking. It's a good morning for you. It is. It is. But I mean, it's it's really easy when you have two people who are super passionate about what they do and who are very aligned in their goals of helping others. So I kind of want to start the conversation off with, you know, each of you, like Sarah, you've worked for a bigger company and then you were self-employed with uh, Sarah Bishop Coaching. And then Meredith, you were working for a larger coaching company and then decided to team up with Sarah. I'm wondering if you could speak to a little bit about how that came about, because it's, I think a lot of people get stuck in one or the other. They're, they, they're either in Sarah's case where they own their own coaching business and don't want to give it up because they worked so hard on developing this kind of image or brand, or they settle and they say, Hey, I'm getting, I'm getting fed clients in some cases. I don't have to worry about it. I can just coach my clients. Maybe Mayor, if you want to start, like what, what was the impetus for you to broach the topic with Sarah about a team? Yeah, I think that we've known each other for a couple of years now, and we uh, co-host a podcast along with Sonia Spiel, um, and we've done that for over two years now. So to say that we align on quite a lot, I think, is self-explanatory. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think for myself, because I was on a coaching team, I know for myself, um, I was really inspired by the people that I have around me. And that would be like essentially my former employer. Um, he inspired me very much. Um, sure. I saw everything that he was building, um, building and building out. And that definitely inspired me on like, you know, why not? Why, why, why can't, you know, I do something. And I wanted to do it with people that I aligned with. Um, nothing gets me excited more than collaboration. Um, I like collaborating with people. I don't, yeah. I don't think that that has to be for everybody. So I think that needs to be said is not everybody needs to be collaborative in their coaching. If they want to run a solo enterprise, then so be it. But mm -hmm. for me, like talking with, you know, with Sarah and talking with Sonia, like that was like the highlights of my week outside of, you know, what I do every day, but that got me amped up. And so I could think of no, no other better person that, got me excited about doing something than working with Sarah. I think taking inspiration from others is is really important. And you know, in, in in the case of your former employer, Jason is Jason's a stud. Like he's been in this yeah. forever. He's he's in the education space. He's in the small business space outside of coaching. He's built up his coaching company Scooby Prep into something incredible. And it sounds like you just looked at it and you're like, I want that. And unfortunately, I can't have that if I'm working underneath someone. And then it comes with the self-awareness of I do my best work with others. Who's the yeah. best person I can look to? Boom, we have Sarah, who's running her own business already. 
Yeah. So Sarah. Yeah, Hi. I would definitely agree that I'm somebody that likes collaboration. And I mean, so up in, I guess it had been like two and a half-ish years mm -hmm. of having my own thing. And I grew a lot, you know, as a person, I think I, you know, I think I started, you know, and I ventured off to do my own thing, but not really knowing what that would evolve into. Like I had different ideas and whatnot, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't say like the clearest vision, which I think is okay. Like, I don't think you necessarily have to have it all figured out. I think you can kind of jump and figure totally. it out on your way down. And that was honestly something I said when I <laughs> did make the move to do my own thing was I'm just going to do it and figure it out as I go. And here we are. And I think, yeah, when this conversation started coming up this year, it was something that really excited me. And this year it's, it's funny. I mean, Mare and I would have some walk and talk sometimes where we would just, you know, go on a long 40 minute walk and talk to each other on the phone. And I remember this summer, us both saying to each other, you know, like, I had a lot of ideas for this year. And it's just, it's not what I thought it would be. And I'm coming to accept that 2023 is just going to be a holding year, I'm just going to be okay with holding and seeing what happens. And then, well, that <laughs> I that, took a turn. That did not end we are up not there. holding kids. We are pushing. <laughs> yes, that is not how 2023 ended, which I think that also just goes to show that sometimes when you let go of control a little bit and maybe step back to kind of see all the opportunities, things can kind of maybe fall into place as as they should. Well, yeah. the way I look at it, it's passion driven. So if you if you kind of relinquish control, focus on your effort and then align that towards passion opportunities present themselves, right? It, they just, they just come and you want to call that manifestation or any sort of like woo woo thing. Um, but I see in this case, there's a direct alignment between the passion, the hard work. And then when I look to, okay, you know, when, when we were chatting about this joint venture, it was almost like someone strapped a rocket ship to both of your asses and you just started producing. And it's been so incredible to watch for me as your business mentor to just, to just look at it and say, this is exactly what these two individuals needed at the right time. And I'm seeing everything that's being created, whether it be the resources for your clients, um, you know, the collaborative brainstorming that's taking place. And it speaks to what a true partnership can be. Um, and I kind of want to dive into that passion piece because it's something that I've known about both of you for a really long time. You're more so in that functional health space. Uh, each attacking it from a little bit of a different a different avenue. Sarah, I know you do still prep clients. Mare, I know you have no desire to prep clients. So there is a delineation of ideal client within this partnership. But you both align on the one core value, which you've turned into the slogan for your company, which is challenging the narrative. Can you can you speak a little bit to what that means? Yes. Well, I guess for me, like with like the physique realm and, you know, helping people kind of balance both goals, right? It's like, I feel like 
before or like I almost thought like you had to have like one or the other, right? You know, you you either were focused on your health and well-being or physique goals and bodybuilding. And, you know, I believe they need to absolutely go together to be successful um, as a competitor. So, um, yeah, I think just for me, helping people like see how they can have both or that you don't have to compete to live this lifestyle and, you know, kind of having one. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and maybe like having like realistic expectations about your body composition and realistic expectations doesn't mean like, I think people hear that they're like, Oh, I have to be realistic. And then that like brings their standards way down. It's like, no, like we can have, I think we can have it all, like maybe not all at once. Um, but I think that's, something that I like to kind of just, just speak on it and, and show people. Cause and, and a big part of that is because that's what I've gone through and have been figuring out for myself. For sure. Mary, you have a, a little bit of a different take on this. I know you get fired yeah. up really quick on it. Yeah. I, I definitely have to like probably tame that a little bit, but you know, I, I'm came from a competing background as well. Um, even prior to bodybuilding when I was, uh, dancing competitively and traveling the world. So that competitive edge is definitely something that is near and dear to my heart and not something that I think that like Sarah said, I I don't think that in order to be realistic, that doesn't mean we have to be mediocre. (laughs) Um, and like I know (laughs) that will be our next merch. (laughs) Um, I like it. Yeah, like, but for me, it's really important, I think, to encompass that wellness piece. And, you know, I am definitely not a mental health provider, but um, I think that encompassing that overall physical wellness and hormonal wellness. And I think for me, like digestive and all that, it comes hand in hand. But for me and my background and where I'm at presently, I, you know, our mission is kind of changing the narrative and changing your narrative. And I think that for me, that drives home because I hear so many people um, in, you know, this industry, this world. And I don't even want to say this industry because I, I like what Sarah and I do, which is we think beyond um, circles of bodybuilding or circles of fitness or certain levels of CrossFit. We really think, globally about the human being in this world. And there's just a lot of mixed messages on what is health um, Mm -hmm. and what is female's health. And that's obviously for a lot of reasons that we're kind of crawling out from under rocks and there's too many generalizations. And I think that what Sarah and I enjoy is working with the individual and treating her as such. And, you know, for example, um, there can be certain generalities to how a female can feel, might feel at certain phases of her life and certain phases of her cycle. But, you know, Sarah and I are very um, intent on the fact that if you enter your luteal, luteal phase and you feel strong as fuck, or if you have a competition in your luteal phase, it doesn't mean you cancel that because you are just deemed this this title of have to be weak and you need to do yoga. However, if you feel that way and that is what your MO has been, then it's absolutely important that we listen into you as one. So I think that that's a really big part of what we do. Yeah. I I think 
as we were going about writing our mission statement and whatnot and, and rewriting the narrative that I think it, it, it is more so to your narrative, not necessarily the industry narrative. Yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like you have to go inward to make these type of transformations. And we see that as coaches, we've seen that, you know, for ourselves, that a lot of it is calling yourself out on your own bullshit or dropping the limiting beliefs. And that's the narrative that needs to really be written and, and redefined, you know, redefining, you know, what health means or what your goals, you know, look like, you know, et cetera. Well, I made a post a couple of days ago, you know, about it was, it was in relation to business, about you know, if you want to 10 X your business challenge, every belief that you have. And I do, I do honestly feel that that, parallels everything in life whatever goal that you have our expectations are shaped by the information that we take in and if someone's coming to you having taken in all this information about what is health what is performance what is the ideal body they've already created this internal narrative that is going to limit their ability to achieve whatever result that they want to achieve because funny enough usually that narrative is the exact opposite of what you need to get progress. So I love that you guys are attacking this from a holistic standpoint, starting with the individual, but it can be really scary as someone who is coming to you for a solution and your response to them coming to you with a solution is, hey, this is gonna be a lot of work. And when you look at like sales 101, Convincing people that it's easy. Oh, How yeah. do you go about having that conversation? I will just say I'm I'm very direct. Um, yeah, I'm very sure. I'm very honest. Um, I'd like to say I deliver it with some empathy because I've been there. Sarah's the same. We we have somebody actually asked us on a recent Zoom call, like, um, you know, what's going to be changing as far as you know us being collaborative or, or what do we each have, you know, to bring to the table. And I know it, very, it sounds really simplistic, but we are two different people. Um, mm -hmm. And we've had two different experiences in life, even though maybe our experiences run along this parallel line, such as, you know, we are female. We share that in common. <laughs> we have both have had menstrual cycles and have had lack of, we both have had, you know, disordered eating, like, but how we've gone through those and the why that got us there is incredibly different. And those have required us to go within. And so when I approach to a client, that's what I deliver. As I say, like, this is about you and your journey. And what I often ask them is, you know, when it comes to their goals is, and I know that you're big on this is like, are, do their actions truly align with their goals? Um, and are they honest with that? Do they want to be? Um, you know, is their ultimate goal? Does that really what's going to make them happy? Um, and like, why is that? Like, what is it about that goal that is going to bring them happiness? And I know you've talked about that before when it comes to most people, it's body composition. Everybody wants body composition and rightly so we want to be happy. We want to feel sexy. Like I get it. Um, but to obtain those things, we have to be honest with our day-to-day -day life and, this conversation of what is normal versus abnormal. I think we all can get on that when looking at the people that we surround ourselves with. So you have this goal, but the people that you surround yourself with, they're considered, or you are, you're considering what they are and what their actions are as normal. 
And so for you to obtain your goal, anything you associate around that is abnormal. Well, that's from a place of restriction. That's from a place mm. of fear. That's from a place of, you know, of, um, of, uh, you know, lesser than. And so I think that having those open and open and very direct conversations can be very eye opening for the individual on what they really want and what they're willing to do to achieve that. Very well said. Very well said. Sarah, you have anything to add on that one? Like the buy-in piece with the client? Yeah, I think maybe we, I don't always start this way, but it evolves into like, what are you afraid of? Like what, what and Mary, Mary, you kind of just touched on that is like, you know, because when we're asking people to make, excuse me, um, these changes, it's, you know, for example, like, let's say something like we're working on improving your gut health and we have this constant pattern of alcohol on the weekend and engaging in, you know, not, not being able to say no, you know, to certain things. And it's like, well, drinking too much coffee. Right. Like, what are you afraid of? Like, are you <laughs> we afraid to be uncomfortable? Are we afraid <clears throat> of what other people will think? And, and, yeah. and then, then we can challenge the narrative, you know, from there. Right. I love yeah. that it starts with questions. And this is something, uh, this is something I speak about quite a bit whenever I'm working with coaches in like a, a coaching capacity is teaching motivational interviewing, like getting people to come to a point where within the conversation, they reach the solution on their own, but you kind of lead them there. And it's so fascinating, the cognitive distortions that take place within someone's head where they, they, they're like, I've done everything. It's like, well, have you tried eating more? Oh, no, I haven't tried that. Oh, have you tried tracking your macros? Nope, haven't tried that. But you've tried everything, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've tried everything. Okay. <laughs> I think, you know, I think the conversation was I've tried everything. I find it really interesting because I think that other, I think that people look to others on what others have done as their definition of tried everything, as opposed to looking into have they tried everything for them? Mm. You know, um, and this is all into like what you consume. So you'll have people that consume information that is solely driven on, um, uh, you know, eating more, doing less and magical things occur. We feed you, you do less, you lose weight. Oh, the old I mean, reverse diet. Who, who would not like that? Although I have met some people that just don't like that, you know, and then we have the other camp that's like drive into, you know, just drive hard, 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 no team, no days off, you know, grind, hustler, like that. And what I think that everyone's missing that we're really trying to like bring is it's your narrative. Like what have you tried that has worked or has not worked? And that is going to change. Um, and I think that's a conversation I have often with a lot of people is it's either one extreme or the other, but no one cutting wants to bring into this, you know, this area of gray um, or play around in that area of gray for any significant amount of time. And typically it's that gray area that you have the most friction about because it's the most unfamiliar. Most people are very familiar with extreme restriction. Most people are very familiar with extreme push. It's extremes. Mm -hmm. No one's familiar and no one's comfortable within this area that everybody says they want, which is this balance. Like 
imagine a life that you go in and you work really, really hard in your training session. You feel yourself really, really well. You also rest really, really well. Like you're actually doing all the things and having those buy-ins. Like that's the place that nobody really wants to visit. They don't really know how to push hard, but how to, you know, how to recover just as hard. Well, it's not fancy, right? Right. And, and like I'll, I'll, you know, Sarah, I'll call into question your, uh, your experience in the, in the prep world. You're either off-season pushing, prep pushing, or in some sort of very abbreviated thing called a health phase where you're still kind of pushing. But in a lot of instances, and I've seen this with myself, I've seen this with a lot of my clients, especially powerlifters, some of the best progress can be made when the check-in is distilled down to, hey, you're doing great, no changes. Maintenance phases. Oh God, how dare we have a maintenance phase? Yeah, how dare we? How dare we keep calories static and push something else? Definitely not more than 10 weeks. Maintenance phase, it really does need to be renamed, maybe, <laughs> because that's for sure. We're, we're not like we're we're never if you're in the business of getting better, you're never maintaining. Like maybe it doesn't always look like pedal to the metal, but you're always progressing. And I think just the more aware we can be of all the areas we could progress within, I mean, then the opportunities are are endless, right? I love that. Yeah. I, I love that you said that. Yeah. So, and I think we just don't give ourselves time in, in enough, in certain phases, right? Like a, a building season or even, you know, even prep, you know, or a health phase, it's like, you just kind of rush through it or white knuckle it and you kind of miss those opportunities. It's when like they, hunting for the next fat loss. I hear that like all the time, you know, clients, like, I can't wait till fat loss, the next fat loss phase. And I'm like, and I love that. I respect that. But at the same rate, like, are we not appreciating the phase that we're in right now? Like the phase that, of, Hey, guess what? Like, um, this is the most common is somebody who's been eating, you know, 1200 calories, um, for years on end having, you know, being miserable, anxiety, depression, no energy, we can all put the pieces together here. Um, and then we actually increase calories, do the reverse or, you know, um, the recovery, whichever way you want to go, the recovery diet, you now have calories up to like 2000 a day. They're the same damn weight, if not, you know, if not dropped, We've done that for maybe like four months after how many years of yo-yo dieting, how many years of binging, how many years of restriction we've done it four months. And now guess what? It's fat, it's fat, fat loss phase. And I'm, it's like, it's, I think it's really, it's sad because I'm like, look at what you're doing now. You're getting so strong. You're feeling good. You have a sex drive. Like you're going, uh, you know, people are going on vacations and able to enjoy you know, foods or drinks that they may not normally have on a daily basis and come back and be like, fuck, I feel great. This is awesome. Like, awesome. You've had an amazing 12 weeks out of how many years of life. And now we're just like hunting for that next, you know, that fat loss. And and I love goals. Like, I don't want to say that people can't be goal driven and goal oriented. That's not it at all. Um, I just think that there's a slippery slope and then that's when a frustration may occur. So somebody goes into that next fat loss, that fat loss phase, the one after those four, you know, four months of after being years, they go into the fat loss phase. And what if 
what if their body doesn't respond? What if they're not ready? So what do we do then, right? Like, and I think that's just really important to just kind of put some things together and look at someone's history. How do you deal with expectation management? Because I think that's something that you guys are going to come to face and, and definitely have faced in your own practices. You know, Mary, you and I had a conversation the other morning about, you know, I said, what are the, what are the people that come to you? What's the number one thing that they want to achieve? You're like a 50 year old. What did you think it was though? You have to say that is, and I agree this. Most people come to me and they talk to me about symptoms and hormones, but then when you asked me the number one, you said, what is the number one, the ultimate, the ultimate driver, the ultimate driver, everybody wants gut health, hormonal health, but what's really, what do they really want underneath it? And what's that answer? The answer was they want a 20 year old bot, a 20 year old body and a 50 year old body. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was because, okay, again, I'm a young man, young, quote unquote, young man. I don't care to look like a 20 year old because I looked like shit when I was 20. But um, that to me is, is so wild. But imagine this is where it's like, this is where. I, I really love like where Sarah and I come from as we listen to the client, like mm-hmm. if you have to like take a step, like put your, you know, uh, take a walk in their shoes. These are the majority females that have been began hunting for that body, that, that, that small body. Cause now remember, like if we're talking about age demographics, what they were consuming again during that time and what was the norm and smaller was better. Um, you know, stronger was not muscle was mm-hmm fucking not cool being an athlete hardly cool at all um and so these women when they're in their 20s they were always hunting to be smaller not stronger and they have been hunting that you know less is more when it comes to eating um you know be seen not heard like right that that age demographic and so when these women or in their you know teens and 20s constantly hunting hunting to be smaller and smaller They've carried that through and those habits through up until they're in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. So to kind of put a tailspin on that, that can be massively shaking to their, you know, to all of it that they have known. Um, And then to tell somebody that, hey, it's probably going to take a little bit longer than um, you're anticipating. And the things that you may want when it comes to that body that has glute tie-ins, like we have to really be thoughtful to number one, what is that person doing? What has their history been um, to achieve those things? And I never want to tell somebody that they're, they can't achieve their goals, but I just think that number one, honesty on what it's going to take to achieve those. I want to be the person that's honest, straightforward and, you know, tell them, you know, this is what I see for you in the future. And we can absolutely do this, that, and the other, but we need to make sure that our actions are aligning with those things. Yeah. It makes total sense. Sarah, when you're dealing with maybe that client who's post prep or in a prep, that expectation management is, is even more compounded because there's an end date to that. There's that, that set end date. What does that conversation look like with them? Yeah. Well, I think, especially cause I work with more like, you know, newer first time, you know, competitors too. It's, it's, we're not necessarily going to go pro the first time, right? Like we're not necessarily going to wait. What? Right. Like, go pro your first season. 
Yeah, like you're not going to necessarily look like, you know, that girl you see on Instagram, you know, your first, your first cut. And I mean, I could say this too, for like more like lifestyle, you know, people, you know, looking at achieving their goal physique. It's like, do you even like training? Like, do you even enjoy the thing? Are you passionate about the thing that is going to give you this body? That's <laughs> <laughs> that's the part I think that kills me the most and not this isn't necessarily about my clients but just like in general um you know the social media era, era because a lot of the people I work with are in that maybe mid late 20s to like mid 40s age range and I think social media and like fitness social media culture became you know really more popular over the last like what like 10 years and with that, like the the kind of fitness model body and, you know, competitor body, like that muscular, you know, toned look, whatever. And yeah, it's, it's, you have to train to look like that for most people, unless you have, you know, some super elite genetics or maybe came from a, a sports background. And if you're not enjoying the gym, you're never, you're, the expectation, you know, the goal body is not going to happen. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I think, you know, I have the perfect example upstairs, Liv, is like, she'll get women approach her all the time, be like, oh my God, you look amazing, you look incredible. And when you go through the conversation of, you know, what did you do to achieve this body? It's like, well, I eat my protein every day. I train like a fucking animal. I get my sleep. I manage my calories. I don't drink alcohol. We don't party. They're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. So I, I love we both alluded to the fact that do your habits align with this goal? And are you willing to change those habits to get that goal? Something that I've always said, and, and please push back on me if you don't agree, because I feel like it's a great opportunity to do so. I really believe that if you want whatever body that you think you want, you can go get it. Okay. I wanted abs my whole life because I was a fat kid. It took me 31 years, but I finally got abs. And you know what I had to do the first time was eat 1400 calories a day and do two hours of cardio along with weight training. But I got my abs and that just kind of iterated to me. It's like, I'm going to have to work harder than most people who've achieved that result because of the genetic hand that was dealt. But when people don't realize, they're like, I have this problem or I have that problem or it's my hormones. It's like, it might be your hormones. But have you tried the actual things that could potentially get you to this place? You know, I've had this conversation with both of you on a number of occasions where, you know, you're going to get a client who thinks they need a gut protocol or thinks they need some estrogen detox, but they don't sleep, they drink alcohol, they're not eating fruits and vegetables, they're not walking on a daily basis, they don't weight train. So do they really need this complex solution or is it looking at the low-hanging fruit, unintended? Always for me, always low hanging fruit first. Yeah. And I will, I, will, I will speak for Sarah and say she's a low hanging fruit girl too. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had this conversation on the phone with somebody 
uh, Tuesday. It was just, you know, she was asking, you know, like, well, like, how long do we have to do that phase, you know, starting with the low hanging fruit phase? And I'm like, well, it depends. Like, as let's, long as see, let's get in there and see, you know, what habits need to change and what lifestyle factors maybe need to be adjusted and how, you know, how well you're able to to make those changes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll speak to this. Like, this scenario is not isolated to women, okay? Every single man that has come to me and said, I want to take PEDs, I'm ready. No, you're fucking not. Because you can't do these very small things. And throwing gasoline on this fire that you've created of your body is going to explode in your face. Yeah. It's it's one of those hard questions of like, I, f I frame it like this. It's really easy to admit that you've failed when the problem is complex, right? So if you, if you believe that this complex problem of it's my gut health and I don't know how to fix my gut health and you've failed and you can't achieve your goal, it's easy to accept. It's like, yeah, it's outside my control. But when you're having a conversation with a client and you say, well, actually, it's really simple. You need to sleep more than five hours a night. You need to eat fruits and vegetables every day. And you need to prioritize your protein. And then all of a sudden, they start feeling better. It's like, now they have to admit to themselves that they were actually failing at a simple problem. Wouldn't it be great if that was like the self-care, um, the self-care hype instead of like, like, I don't know, like bubble baths well, and everything else. Like, wouldn't it just like, I actually like made a, a post like a long time ago and I said, are you fit for duty? And I said, wouldn't it be a wild thing if in order to show up to our daily jobs, like whether you're civilian or not, show up to your daily jobs, you actually had to check in with a health coach and said, Hey, this, this person of society is getting their um, daily movement in, or we're working towards this. We're meeting our veggie goals. Can you imagine the downstream trickle on just health overall? If that was like the barrier to entry of a lot of things, yeah. just like, just like put like five things on there that had to be checked through. You know, like and so much would, would really change to be honest. And I think that, you know, to go back to like what you said, like with regards to coming to us for protocols, I, I think I can speak for both of us and say the first intervention for either of us is very rarely, very rarely, um, a set protocol. And I think that, you know, I can speak that I've definitely come far and I hope that, um, anybody, you know, that had worked with any of us, you know, years ago would definitely understand of how much we've come and learned and changed. But I always, even, I always start with what are you doing right now? And I know that that can be poo-pooed on by a lot of coaches. Um, you know, someone's coming to you, they want, you know, to be fixed and, you know, well, number one, my job's not to fix somebody. Um, that's, that's your job. That's my client. Um, I'm here to help support, you know, educate all the things, but I also, maybe it's, maybe it's me projecting, but I never want to give a client a list of, you know, 
$500 worth of supplements when I literally could have just said, Hey, you know what? I'm looking at your nutrition. Let's number one, let's learn how to track appropriately. Um, let's maybe start eating some veggies. Like these are free things that they have to do just to live. Like they, in order to stay existing as a human being, they have to eat, right. They have to drink water. I'm, I'm sleep, sleeping has to happen. And so wouldn't it be cool if I can just switch a couple things that they have to do anyway, without bringing anything extra into an already stressful situation. And then looking at all the tools that I have under my tool belt and say, okay, what is going to, you know, knock as many things out as possible and cover as many bases as possible and really be crafty in those interventions. And I think that that is the hugest thing. And like, you know, Sarah said with her, her client, and I hear this all the time is, you know, digestive health phase, health, you know, hormonal health phase. I'm like, as long as you are living and breathing in this world, congratulations, you have just stepped into like the Narnia. Like you are going to be here forever. The next level of Jumanji is happening. Congratulations. Here we go. Buckle up. You will always have to look after your health, your hormone health. You will always have to look after your digestive health. This is not a never ending. You don't take a fucking probiotic for eight to 10 weeks. And then congratulations, you like walk the pearly gates. Like it just, it doesn't happen happen like that like you it's an ongoing thing like and that is where people think of this on and off wagon sorry <laughs> yes <laughs> like yes you might get to a place where you can have gluten and dairy again yeah that's the goal to go back to your terrible meal timing and surviving off coffee all day and binge drinking and all of those things like you're gonna have to always chew your food like you're gonna have to like you know, kind of like, keep the structure. That's the cool thing. Like, that's the coolest thing about what we do is like, our clients are human. Like this shit happens. I, I just this year, I cannot even count the number of tragedies my clients have overcome. You know, unfortunately people getting into car accidents, you know, somebody dying, like, you know, kids getting sick, you know, you know, I, one kid gets sick and then all four of them are sick. A dog is vomiting. Like, this is life. And this is where like, as coaches, we come in and step in and say, Hey, listen, let's look at what's happening. Let's look at how we can chip, you know, cha-cha and pivot our way for a couple of days. As like Paul has said to me many times, like now is we're going to tick boxes. And as much as I'll cringe, I need to take a fucking box and ticking the fucking box. If I put my ego to the side is hard as hell to stick my pen in the box, to bring it down and to check it up. That took so much effort. But if I didn't have somebody in my corner who is, I'm going to say like unbiased at that moment, then I would continually try to kind of burn myself out. And that's where we step in as coaches and say, Hey, listen, you know what? you have these things going on and I can see how this is affecting you, how it's affecting your health, your hormones, your digestion. Let's do a little pivot cha-cha for right now. It's not necessarily a step back, but it might be a step to the side. And then we're going to keep going forward. Like, like that is living, like that is lifelong. Like you don't stop that. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> For me, like everything you're saying resonates so deeply with me because, you know, I've again I've seen it in my own my own journey, my own whatever coming with injuries or you know pushing for a bodybuilding show or a powerlifting meet or even now working on my gut health. These are all things that I deal with on a daily basis, and sometimes you can do everything right, 
and follow the right directions and shit still goes south. Yeah. Yeah. So and simple doesn't mean easy. Rarely. Okay. How do you help somebody overcome that limiting belief though? Because people think this is like, people think, people will tell you that shit's easy. Especially in the fitness space. Do this in six minutes. Do this in three weeks. Do this right now. But you're not selling. And this is, you know, we can talk we about. We make it complex though. In our own brains, the brains between our ears. Yeah, we, we make, make it, it, we make it very complex. complex. What I'm trying to get at is like, this narrative that's been created and the one that you you guys are directly trying to fight against with everything that you have is to show people that they have control you're putting them in the driver's seat you're giving them the directions and you're showing them that they can drive their car the road might get bumpy they might make some wrong turns but you're there and i'm wondering I, I kind of have this theory that a lot of the, and it's funny because Austin made a post about this recently. Uh, and maybe Sarah, you could speak to this. The people that have the most issues are usually the ones who are highest type A, right? They, they want their high achievers want control of everything. They're more neurotic. Like, can you speak to that a little bit? I mean, yeah, like <laughs> very true. But when we think about, you know, I mean, so many, and I know everyone hears and everyone is so tired of hearing, like, got to work on your stress, your stress management, like, you well, know, yeah. stress is the root of the issues. Well, it's true. But we have to also think about like, what, like what a stressor could be. And your own thoughts and that hamster wheel in your mind could be the biggest driver of everything, you know, that you're, you're experiencing and that constant vigilance because you're always in your head about the next thing or the to-do list or, you know, being perfect or what other people will think. And that just constant, like those, that does not stop turning, you know, my body image, like all of it. Right. It, that just perpetual like nervous system activation like you're just your body always thinks it's running from a tiger yeah but what if they take ashwagandha it's fine well, right we got that little blip well and and this is like probably the hardest thing when we talk about like like what's your root cause or what's your your low-hanging fruit i mean yeah like the that like it could be your low hanging fruit, right? Is you're a people pleasing perfectionist and you got to work on that. And that's not easy to change if you've been doing it and thinking that way for 25 years. So you guys aren't or, mental health professionals at all, but like how, how would you work with somebody to, to help with that? Yeah. Well, that's where, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, cause I mean, I, I think all of us on this call have been in therapy and, for more more than a handful of sessions right so we know the power of it but not everyone has experienced that so you know outsourcing and being like hey like 
I really think, and the way I always talk about like therapy with people is I think everybody in the world, in a perfect world, we'd all have that person that we could call, you know, just a phone call away who's objective, who is unbiased, who's a professional that could help us, you know, whether there's a thing that we're diagnosed with or just, you know, to, to talk about life with. And I think it's just really powerful. And I mean, it's how we become more introspective and, you know, can kind of work through those things that are in our, in our head. Right. Yeah. You touched on something right there that I think is a very worthwhile discussion diagnosis. So I feel like a lot of people get attached to these diagnoses and they, they, kind of identify with these diagnoses. I have ADHD or I have gut dysbiosis or I have a hormone dysfunction. What I try to shift away from is the language that we use, right? So instead of I I am depressed, I'm feeling depressed, right? This isn't part of your identity. It's just a, a we'll call it a season of life, right? So you have Maybe you do, maybe you are suffering from a hormonal dysfunction, but you do not, you are not a dysfunctional human. When you're speaking with a client, how, like, how do you draw awareness to their use of language? And how do you use that in the conversation to shift their frame of reference? Um, I, I can think of one example and it's, I'm just a lazy person oh. is maybe one that comes up to my, comes to mind, like having clients where, you know, I'll, I'll ask like, Oh, you know, what's the barrier with, you know, making dinner, you know, a balanced meal. And it's like, you know, Sarah, I'm just lazy. And I'm like, the, the way I reframe that is, are you just lazy or cooking just really isn't your thing? Like you just don't enjoy cooking or it's not a priority for you because it can be true that cooking isn't a priority for you and you don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen, but that doesn't mean you're lazy. And that doesn't mean that we can't make a quick, simple, lazy meal that is supportive of your goals. You ever have those people? This is like, I don't like cooking or I'm lazy, but I make a million dollars a year. It's like, well, you can't make a million dollars a year and be lazy, dude, or lady. Yeah. Well, it just, it, and then, cause then that trickles over to other things. Like you have in the back of your head, oh, you're lazy. So like, what does that imply? Like, yeah. you're not capable, like you're not successful and mm -hmm. it goes beyond just your dinner, your meal prep. I think I, I try to bring awareness to to the client when they do these things. Number one, is that is that what you really think about yourself? Is that true? Um, because going back to like, you know, the mental health piece and going back to like what I said about the people that you surround yourself with, most of the things that we have learned have been inherited, right? Oh, yeah. um, whether that's from our family or extended or not. And so I always ask the client, like, do you really feel, feel that way about yourself? Do you really think you're lazy? Um, or is it that you got up at 5am commuted an hour before or after you got three kids ready 
took two to a sitter because the daycare doesn't actually open until eight, but you have to be at work at eight to work an eight hour a day to drive back an hour commute. Like, I'll be honest, I wouldn't fucking feel like cooking either. Like, <laughs> you know, and so I was like, so what's the solution here? Is the solution to call yourself names, to drag yourself in the in the ground about how of a horrible person and a horrible, you know, mother, you know, boyfriend, husband you are, or do we have some opportunity to say, hey, listen, let's let's do a meal prep company. When we go to the store, instead of buying the raw chicken that needs to be prepared, let's go over to that place called the deli that normally has like where they make sub sandwiches and they have like the, the fried um, uh, rotisserie chickens. Let's grab some cooked food. It might cost you a little bit more, but it's also going to save you one calling yourself shitty names and feeling bad about yourself. But it's going to save you the time. And this is where convenience comes in. And so I think bringing awareness to like, do you really think that you're a lazy person? Do you really think when you're saying people um, identify with being sick, like, you know, are you really, you know, identifying with that? Do you feel glory in your sickness? I, I think not. I don't think anybody really relishes in being sick. And so let's say I have a client who, ha who has lupus and, you know, she was like, I, a tribute to I can't participate in these things because I'm not I'm not normal I'm not a normal twenty something year old and I was like so let's look at this there is no solution of eating uh, zucchini broccoli or carrots that's going to cure lupus so that that's a story we've told ourselves absolutely a story we've told ourselves however what we do know is when you do eat single ingredient whole foods you feel better that's not from lupus right right. So I think that just not necessarily calling out a client, but ha helping them think differently because we are only taught how to think. And a lot of times, again, remembering, looking at who taught us, how is their relationship with their body? How is their relationship with money? Do they have, did, were they in the, the depression where everything was scarce and they want to, you know, you not spend. And so spending on, you know, food, like, was that carried over to you? And maybe you hadn't even thought about it that way. Like, I think that just thinking of a little bit bigger and asking yourself questions, which goes back to that introspection is massive. And then I know something that Sarah and I have been doing like with our collaboration is we do refer our clients to providers, whatever provider they need. I just had a client this week and several times a year, we send out an email and ask our resources and say, hey, I'm looking for referrals for providers. Well, who better to ask than the people that are in our newsletter community and on social media say, who, if you're willing, if you wouldn't mind to just refer who you know, we have built a list. And so I had a client this week where I was able to go in look to what Sarah added. And I literally was able to copy and paste and say, Hey, there might be some differences from state to state. A couple of these are just kind of general telehealth, but this is a starting place for you. If I just hear that they may be interested or maybe they're not interested, but maybe by me just giving this their way, it can kind of spark something to say, Hey, maybe I should you know talk to somebody because as much as we love our spouses, we love our friends they're not mental health providers. <laughs> and we'll also like, we have to think about, you know, what we're putting onto them as well. And I think that's where Mary and I both see ourselves as health communicators. And 
advocates because I understand the the older I get that not everyone knows how to find a therapist. Like I know I can call my insurance company. I know that I can go to psychology, you know, dot com and and then look up, you know, someone in my area and filter it and all that. But not everyone either knows that or has the capacity at this moment to dive into that for themselves. So if we kind of hold the mirror or like, Hey, let me just, let me just grab your hand and let me just show you because, and, and that goes for mental health. That goes for physical health. Um, you know, and, and I think that's where maybe we're, we're different or maybe how we, you know, just show up as coaches. We ask questions, follow up. Did you do this? How was this appointment? My clients know I am on them like water rice. Hey, how did that appointment go? Oh, you didn't book it yet. It's literally been six months. And I, and I will ask repetitively, how was that appointment? You didn't book it yet. Let's, let's get that on the list for next week. Okay. You know what? There's a shit ton happening for you. Let's be realistic. December, let's take that off your plate. Let's put a note for January and let's in January, let's start looking for that appointment. Like people, people get wrapped up in their urgent, their urgent, which is what they see in front of them. They deal on the day-to-day basis. By the time they leave their urgent of their home to their next urgent of work, they fall through the cracks. They fall behind the stove. And that's where I think us as coaches can come in and not do, do things for people, but just show them and say, Hey team, I got your back. It's mm-hmm. one, it might be okay to feel a little bit weak right now. I got you. Or girl, it's time to step the fuck up. I need you to put your big girl thong on. I need you to put your nice bra and we need to get to business. Whatever it is, this is our job as a coach is to support. Yeah. I put my business thong on this morning for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And like, Listen, when you guys are speaking, all I hear is like, I coach people. And that's, people will use the word coach to mean a whole lot of different things now. Um, Someone who writes a program, someone who gives macros, that's a coach. I don't buy it. And if anyone takes anything away from this conversation today, it's that a coach is someone who advocates for their clients, supports them and holds them accountable. Because you know, Sarah, you said it. Sometimes we show them. Sometimes we lead them. Sometimes we throw them. But we need to know in what situation, what does this person need in order to move forward? And that can only happen through honest conversations where we hold up a mirror and we say, is this what you really want? And I think yeah. I think the, the driving force behind Fortify being to change the narrative of that individual it just speaks to a massive shift in the way that we approach what we do as coaches. And I think a lot of us need to look in the mirror and say, am I doing everything that I can to support my clients? Do I have a list of providers? Do I have, am I confident referring out? Am I able to troubleshoot this problem? Do I have the professionalism to admit that I don't have the solutions to these problems? I think that's a big one too. You don't have to raise your hand on a podcast. Well, I know there's like, as we know, like podcasting, like us, like when we're doing our podcast, like we can tend to like talk over each other because there's like a lag and then we're like, ah, 
like trying to, so <laughs> gotcha. that works well. I was going to say, like, I think that, you know, for the coaches that listen to this, this is where we've all, the three of us have had like a lot of dialogue behind is when we start to get to what I like to say, like that deeper, ro more robust level of service to which I, I would hope we, we can get to a level where we're all doing that. Yeah. It does. It does have to come to the question to number one, looking at how you are able to service your clients and how many clients that you can service without, because this is, this is also something that has been crucial for Sarah and I when teaming up together is that check-in process between the two of us and honesty between the two of us. And we can absolutely be honest with each other. And what's interesting, at least for me, I totally could be calling myself out on this, but I will get really, really excited about something. And I don't know if she's like telepathic or whatever, but I will, you know, send her like this massive voice note or text and about being really excited, but then always kind of be like, I'm not really sure. And so far it has always worked out that she has been the calm. That's like, not this week, or let's look at, you know, this next week. And I think that having somebody to support you and that's where collaboration works really well is looking at one how you're able to really serve your clients to the capacity that you want and looking at the systems that you have. And that's something that Sarah and I, honestly, that we have been inundated with, um, with regard to growing is our back end and how we can serve to the fullest. And then while not losing ourselves in the process, because something that you always say about Sarah that I will also always say is she is a product of her product. 100%. And that's something that I want to also, you know, be as, my, my, as much as I can. And that's something that we want to continue to grow and we want to continue to serve as many people as we possibly can, but we do not want to lose ourselves in the process because we are products of mm -hmm. our product. I love that you said that. Maybe let's maybe let's shift the conversation a little bit to like, so I'm I'm very big on coaches pursuing their best self, right? I think if 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 we're not pursuing our best self, we're doing our clients a disservice. Sarah, what's something that you're gonna do in 2024 that's strictly for you? Are you comfortable? Well, I'm going to prep again for the oh. first time in five years when I start prep. So for me, like, and I haven't really talked about this yet, like, like in this, in this regard, but for me, this is very personal because my first prep in 2019, it was, let's see if I even like this bodybuilding thing as far as like the prep side of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I really had no business competing. Like I was so tiny, but I'm glad I did it because I found out I liked it and it evolved into something so much more than it was for me in 2018 or 2019. Um, but yeah, I mean, this prep for me, it'll be like, for me, I think it'll, it's going to be like my first time to kind of just really, I think, see what I made of, like, you know, seeing all like this work and speaking of like that expectations thing, I've put like I've put so many years into this, into this off season, into this building phase. If I don't win, like yes, we compete to win, 
but I have to be okay that I may not win. And I have to be like, okay with going into this that, you know, yes, I'm going to have these expectations and yes, I'm going to, you know, shoot for the moon and, and all that. But at the same time, like, I can't be so caught up in like my worth as a person or, you know, what other people will think like it, it has to be for me and it is for me. And otherwise I wouldn't, you know, do this. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm I'm still kind of, let's see, like, I, it's going to be one of those things where when we talk this time next year, I'll have, you know, more to say about it, maybe something different than I'm saying now, but I'm excited for it because it definitely is something just for me. Well, that resonates with me too, because when I did my show, I'm a competitor, like I want to win, but I had to understand, like, I'm not going to win. So I had to redefine what winning the show was for me. And as soon as I did that, it made it a lot more clear. I think it's a little bit different for you having the experience and knowing kind of what you're getting into versus me just kind of diving in head first. But that was one thing where winning for me was just stepping on stage. And the one thing that I can control was like, will my conditioning be better than everyone else's? And I can confidently say that I was the leanest person on the stage. That's all I needed to know. I looked like a square, but I was the leanest person on stage. Um, I love that. Mara, what about you? What's something that you're just going to do strictly for yourself this year, training or otherwise? I think that this next year is about creating who I really am. Um, this has been a wild year for mm -hmm. me, um, for me personally. Um, I did lose an anchor into my life uh, this year. And it's probably one of the biggest, um, like I've had two big anchors lo lost in the last couple of years. And um, I was talking to my husband a lot lately, but last night, and I was saying how I'm really looking forward to carving what, who I want to be. Mm -hmm. because I feel like I lost a little bit of that over the years, just taking care of, you know, somebody else and putting all my emotions into that, you know, amazing creature. But this next year, I do want to work on getting stronger. I want to put on a lot more muscle. Um, it's been a little bit of a year for me there, mm -hmm. but this year is finding myself in all of that I do, but not finding it, creating it. I want to be a powerhouse of a human and business. Personally, I want to carve more relationships, do more things. So getting comfortable and doing those things again, that's something again, that Sarah and I talked about going into next year that as much as we are driving, you know, business oriented women and helping as many people as possible, I actively want to start carving out time to do things outside of the gym, um, outside of work, because I absolutely, everything can be surrounded around this computer, whether that's education, uh, working mm -hmm. in my business, on my business, everything. Um, but I do want to carve out things outside. Um, so maybe that's a yoga class. Maybe that's a Pilates class. I don't know. Um, but still kind of figuring it out. Well, one thing we said earlier, like talking to clients about like, trying different things and living in that gray. I think like just in general, we need to be more okay with playing and exploring and approaching fitness, business, life, like more with that mindset of like curiosity. And like you were just saying, like maybe it's a yoga class, 
you know, for me, I did a couple of pole dancing classes this year. Like, just yeah. like, like uh, who cares? Like, you know, like, it's okay to suck. It's okay if you hate it. And like, I'll talk to clients about this, like, you know, stress management stuff. And I'm like, just give it a go at journaling or, you know, just, you can do some mobility. Like it doesn't have to be anything formal. Just roll around on your floor and just like, see what happens. Like, it doesn't have to be yeah. so, so structured and so perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm having fun learning. Like we're learning so much. Granted, some of it can be like, you know, just a little much. <laughs> we're good. Some things we don't want to know, but um, we're learning a lot, but it's really exciting. And I think the theme, the theme the last month has been fuck around and find out in my house. Like that's for the good or for the bad. <laughs> um, and we're, we're having fun with that. So I think just kind of being creative going into 2024 and, doing some building. I think you can tell a lot about a coach um, or, or anyone who supports others by the way they support themselves and speak about the work that they do for themselves, because that always carries forward into the work they do for others. Um, you know, I speak a lot about selfishness and how selfishness is actually a virtue and how the more selfish we can be, the better we can be able to support others. Um, selfishness does not mean that you like harm others in pursuit of, you know, pleasures or hedonism or whatever it might be. Selfishness just means putting yourself first so that you can be there for others. Like if you don't pour into your own cup, you're not going to be able to pour into others. And I see you both as people who are committed to both ends, right? You're committed to being the best versions of yourself so that you can be the best version for other people. Um, I think that's a great place to to end, but I do have some quick hit questions because I think they're funny. The first one is, do you crack an egg on a flat surface or on the corner of a pan? The corner. The corner. Like, who are you? Shame on you. No. Flat surface. Why like would you do that? It's going to make a mess. Like it's going to be on that. So you're cross contaminating. Like, at least if you crack on the corner, it's going to run into the thing. Oh, Meredith, you would die. Guess what I caught Mike doing the other day. My husband what? putting the cracked eggs back in the egg container with the other eggs. What? Why would you do that? This is why we have gut issues in our house. <laughs> I think I started. Monster. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. We just outed you on the podcast. <laughs> what is one album that you could listen to with no skips? Um. Oh my God, the graduation album, Kanye West. Okay. Yeah. It's a good one. Anything enough? Any of his albums? Okay good what is the scariest thing you've ever done in the gym you might have to like, okay pause i remember that i like this for me it was scary at the time the first time i ever went in the big girl squat rack like I, I remember that day and I'm lucky enough that I have it on camera was oh. at the USF gym. The first time I ever went in the squat rack. Before or after the renovation? I guess I'm after. 
Okay, I was gonna say because the squat rack was fucking scary before they renovated it. No, this was yeah at the rec center, like downstairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I love that, Mayor. I've had you do some pretty scary things. What? I've had you do some pretty scary things. Wait, I like. I'm like. I have. There's been a lot of scary. Um, I can say something that like still scares me. That that is like completely like silly. Um, jumping two feet, two feet onto a box. (laughs) Okay, but is it like a wood box? Like a wood box? It doesn't matter. It can be. It can be a four inch box. I it is like it's a two foot thing. I don't understand why they're jumping two feet to two feet. And Paul, for those of you who have who have never seen this man jump on a box, it is the wildest thing ever because he doesn't bend his knees. And I have never seen a guy like get like the air time that he does, and he's like a stick in the air, like a pogo stick. He's like. And then to be fair, when I jump, I bend my knees. When I'm in the air, I try to land as tall as possible. Well, I mean, to get off the ground, he bends his knees. But, like, I just, in any way. So, jumping two feet from the ground onto anything, landing two feet, to me is petrifying. But I've done some other petrifying things, like, that actually are not as silly. But, yeah, that's probably the stupidest one. You know, the first time I ever bench pressed, I was also at the USF gym and someone asked me, do you want to enter a bench press competition? And I said, yeah. <laughs> Did you do it? Yeah. Did you win? No. What was your bench when you entered the bench press competition? Like, God, I think I made it up to like two tens on each side or something. It's not bad. That's yeah. amazing. Girl, that's like yeah. awesome. How much did you weigh? Uh, probably barely 100 pounds. Yeah. It's almost that's bench awesome. body weight. Yeah, almost. <laughs> that's um, awesome. Who is one person that you would like to see on this podcast with the caveat that you have to help me get them on the podcast? Ooh. I. No. Side note, it's December 21st already. I know. Crazy. Shit, I'm trying to think. I already I already sent a message out to Austin, so I'm just waiting on him to reply. Come on. Dead space on a podcast doesn't really help. You're going to have to edit this. No, I'm not. (laughs) Anyone. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? All right. We're done here. Thank you very much for joining me, you two. Uh, I am honestly seeing you guys team up and put Fortify out into the world with the message that you are um really living every single day makes me so proud and to have you on the podcast talk about what makes you guys special and what you're trying to do differently was an absolute pleasure for me so yeah what's up i'd love to hear you and jeff black have a conversation sure
I think I think that would be a really good conversation. I think that'd be very entertaining. Yeah. And insightful. I think that that would be like that would be a really good time. Okay. So you interrupted my flow of being sappy, so you don't get I'm any sorry. more sappiness. I'm... Thank you both so much for being on the podcast. I will have links to Fortify Health there and Sarah both in the show notes. Thank you both for joining. Please make sure to like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. Any parting words, ladies? Thank you for having us. <laughs> These are the worst. Well, it's true. Like, I mean, thank you. And like, for those who don't know, Paul has been and is our handler and he's been instrumental in driving us to do really awesome things. And we are the ones that come to him with all these, you know, ideas that we have and he helps kind of organize us and we just are really grateful for you. It's been my pleasure guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day.